I'm Kat Cho, author of Wicked Fox and Vicious Spirits. And I'm Clarabel Ayrtega, author of Ghost Squad. And this is Write or Die. The year end episode. <laughs> burr, burr, burr. The year it's over. We survived. Wow. Ah! We sure did. And like, like more than any other year, this is a very big deal this year, I feel it's like. It's a huge deal. I honestly I do think that ever since I've joined like I've started to like pursue my dreams every year I'm like I survived because anxiety is like Mm. just a gift that you get along with the pursuit of your dreams yeah or or it it intensifies yeah it intensifies are you okay yeah I just like dropped something on my desk (laughs) yeah so like mine got like really bad as soon as I was like oh I'm gonna try this thing that matters so much to me um so every year i'm always like i survived but yeah agree this year it's like times times 10 (laughs) i honestly can't believe what we've been through this year like it feels even we're still in it and it feels fake like it does it's just such an extreme set of circumstances and like so many things happened and like Okay, someone else was, like, someone said on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, like, um, Parasite won the Oscar this year. Oh, my God. (laughs) Doesn't that feel like it was seven years ago? It does. Well, there were, I was, I'm seeing some some of the year-end lists, and, like, this is nothing against any book. It's it's legit me being surprised. I've often gone, like, that book came out this year? (laughs) Like... It's like I think the end of the year lists are looking really good this year. I really love them. Um, kudos to you, Claire Bell, for being on NPR's best thank you, books thank of you. 2020. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, but legit, some of the books I'm like that came out this year, like yeah. 2020, and and it's like it's like yeah, it came out in like January, February. It's just like that felt like a thousand years ago. Yeah, it um, really, really does. Like, like, like Phil's book came out in the beginning of the year and it it's just so wild. it doesn't feel like it that happened this year um phil stamper by the way we just say phil first name just phil, like beyonce we've got an um, in with phil stamper <laughs> but yeah i i think that especially like books that came out in the beginning of the year and i would say especially like debuts that came out like in that little niche uh pocket where it was like uh-huh. right when the pandemic started but before, like, you could even step foot into a bookstore because everything was closed. Like, we have a very unique, <laughs> um, oh my gosh. like, yes. release story. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if people are looking for books to buy for Christmas, like, not necessarily because it, my book came out in that time. I just mean, like, if you can find, like, authors, debut authors, especially, like, debut authors of color whose book came mm-hmm. out in that little pocket of time, I would definitely support them because it was a very strange time to have a book out. And, like, even, like, people whose books came out later in the year, like, yeah, it was not a normal debut year, but, like, they got to, like, go see their books in the bookstore. Like, people already going in, like, social distance signing books and, like, different things that like are possible now we didn't get any of that oh <laughs> i didn't so see sad for you. I, I didn't see my book in bookstores till months after it came out like um it's fine i'm actually okay i i don't feel sad about it i i feel like i'm never gonna forget it i yeah. feel like it's 
it's a it's a funny story and an interesting story to tell when I'm older. Um, <laughs> and like it's I I got through it. So like anything anything else, any other like book release is gonna be gravy because like. I I was going to say, you, if you survive 2020, especially as a debut, then you can probably survive anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, truly. <laughs> truly. And and I and Ghost Squad did is doing and has done really great despite everything. So mm-hmm. I I really can't complain um about it. It's just it's just very surreal. Like it's been a surreal year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also feel like like so much stuff non-bookish things have all has also gone on this year that sometimes you even forget you know like what's been going on like in in your writing because you just don't have time to stress about that some at some points right yeah it's 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 definitely been like I, i don't know how to explain it like it's not like things haven't mattered as much like things still matter but like I don't know. It was just like a lot less stress. Like things were less stressful because there was so much other stuff going on. Like I didn't have like the focus to like freak out about like the usual stuff, you know. <laughs> um. So like publishing related things like, yeah, I still had my moments, but it like I was more afraid of getting sick all year than uh-huh. I was of anything else. Yeah. And of like and my I- family getting sick. So like that yeah. took up like almost all my brain energy. I I didn't really have a lot of like energy left for other stuff. For sure. I mean, I kind of feel like it was not as like much of a full year, but I do know a lot of people who debuted um like in the last 3 months of 2016. And and I remember thinking like that was so rough, like people could not function. People could not feel joy to celebrate things and to have to debut in that period of time must have been really sad and upsetting. Um, so I feel like 2020 has <laughs> also been a, very, yeah. Similar, a yeah. very similar thing. And some people on Twitter, like some authors, when it was when it became apparent that like this was going to be something that didn't go away quickly and, you know, debuts were freaking out publicly there were other authors who stepped in and were like hey like i debuted on like in november 2016 yeah yeah. (laughs) Uh, some people were talking about um debuting around when 9-11 happened and how difficult that was too yeah yeah. all these you you just never know what's gonna happen around the time you have books out but Mm -hmm. i think the it's hard right because like on the one hand like i want to say like the important thing is that you're healthy and like there's people going through so much more Mm -hmm. and such horrible things that like in hindsight it doesn't really matter that much right but yeah that doesn't take away from the disappointment of having worked towards something for years and like for me my book was delayed a bunch of times right so it was supposed to come Mm -hmm. out last year and it came out this year only for this all to happen but I really do like to look at the bright side of things and, like, look at the positives, especially when something's out of my hands. Like, I yeah. can't control it. Um, so for me, it was a lot about having gratitude that first, like I said, the most important thing was that I was healthy. My family was healthy. My friends have all been okay, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but also that my book was able to help people at a time when they most needed entertainment and distraction and I think that um that really made it worth it for me because I've gotten you know letters from kids and like emails from people and messages online about how much Ghost Squad has helped people people have read it over and over again because it feels like uh an escape and something that's like comforting for them yeah and like that's all you can ask for as an author like that's of course like the events and like the pictures and all of that stuff is great but the the point is your relationship to readers and what you're giving to your readers and I think that I was able to start off my career giving readers uh, a moment of like peace and a time that was Mm -hmm. really chaotic and I feel grateful for that yeah no I think that's really good and and a great piece of advice that I hear often is that uh no one book is going to define mm-hmm. your career. Like for most authors, you know, I, I think like we need to get out of that mindset of being like, oh, the big breakout for like Susan Collins was Hunger Games. Like, yeah, but that's a one in a million situation. Like no one book is going to be the make or break of an average author's career. And so, yes, it stinks because it's your debut, but you're going to have so many more books in the future to be able to experience so many firsts with. And it's it's definitely something that you'll be able to look forward to once you're kind of beyond like you get past the initial disappointment and i and i do think like it's it's very valid to say that a person shouldn't try to ignore their disappointment and ignore their feelings i think that trying to push it down and repressing it is is really unhealthy you're allowed to be sad Mm -hmm. um no one would ever blame an author for being sad that their book is coming out at a time like now where it's so hard to feel the connection a lot of the times with your readers and the rest of the community. I think it's less us saying like, okay, okay, it's going to be fine. So like, get over it. It's more like us saying, we feel you, your feelings are completely valid. And we hope that one day you get to the point where you can see that you have so many amazing things waiting for you and and we want to celebrate that with you when the time comes, that kind of a feeling more than anything else. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, also, like, I really do not to be like the weird aunt, but I really <laughs> feel like the energy that you put into things and into how you see yourself and your career really matters. Um, I was uh, on... I want to say it was maybe like two months ago or two or three months ago. I don't know. Um, but I was talking to uh, Gwenda Bond on Twitter and she said something that I have actually saved on my phone. And she said, uh, careers are narratives and we have a big part in how we tell that story to ourselves and everyone else. Wow. And I, I, I love that. And I, it's really stuck with me because I really do think it's true. I think that, um, sometimes you 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 say things over and over again to yourself it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy even if it's not that way for everybody else like you really feel that that's what you're going through because you have been repeating it so many times and like you see yourself like if you see yourself as a as well I failed because I didn't do this like x y and z I don't know that it just becomes sort of like a thing that consumes itself right like that can grow so big and so out of your control if you keep feeding it that it's dangerous but and it can go the other way too right like if you can look at things with a positive spin and other people really do pick up on that energy too so 
I think that's important to remember as it pertains to like your career and mm-hmm. worrying about how other people perceive it. Uh, I think you're the first line of defense there. It's so true. It's so true. Oh, hello. Hi, Ride or Die listeners. It's me, Ryan LaSala. I am a good friend of Kat and Clarabelle. I'm a huge fan of Ride or Die, and I'm here to tell you about a another project that Clarabelle and I are working on that we think that you're really going to love. It's called Celebrity Book Club. It's a weekly podcast in which Clarabelle and I take on the world of celebrity penned books one chapter at a time, talking about the good, but also talking about the bad that they get away with, basically, on the merit of being celebrities and, uh, you know, not people that have to make it out of the slush pile. So, anyhow, this season we are reading a fantasy novel written by Tyra Banks called Model Land, and it is absolutely wild. We're only a few chapters in, so if this is something that you want to, like, keep up with, we suggest you head over to uh, anchor.fm slash celebrity hyphen book club uh, and and just tune in. We cannot wait to have you, and we want to hear all of your thoughts and predictions. So yeah, we'll see you at the club. Bye! This season on Celebrity Book Club. Welcome to Model Air, bitch! Astronomical. This is when I really felt like maybe we shouldn't do this podcast. Can those baby fingers of yours dig out a jerkin for me? I hate to see it. Like a like a Greek chorus narrator? I don't even know what Did you bring the baby gherkins? <laughs> You missed the best thing about her outfit, which is that she at all times carries around a small porcelain doll named Bellissima. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, oh, I just like gasped like involuntarily. <laughs> so this is our first episode, obviously. Well, obviously to us. <laughs> Wasted potential. I was like, is she covered in poop? Like, what's going on? Tyra Banks doing an impersonation of Miss J. This like animosity that Tookie feels from you're her family. S- you're so generous, but we're gonna go with that. <laughs> we're gonna go with that. This really blew my mind, and like not in a good way. Her house <laughs> is in shambles, literally in shambles. Yeah, I'm crossing all my baby fingers. Trust me, there's not a baby finger in the tri-state area that I'm not crossing. <laughs> you need to listen to understand, even though you still won't understand. Model land. <laughs> 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 there's, there's hands. They're made out of smoke. The hands are drawn with more smoke. There are, the, what happened? Darling with an H? Oh, wow. Like, we know that we're in for, like, high histrionics. Are you drunk? <laughs> I am so drunk right now. <laughs> the thing that I hate, and the mentality that I hate a lot, and I hate it because I do it all the time, is the idea of sa- of trying to lower people's expectations of you of you so that you can't disappoint them. Mm-hmm. So you keep on saying like, "Oh my god, my little book, like I hope it's enjoyable. Like I really just wrote it for fun. Like don't it's not the next, you know, great American novel or whatever." I mean, there's always going to be people out in the world who will want to push you down and will use any tool that they want. So don't give them the tools freely. You know, like if your big concern is that you didn't write the next big American novel, don't keep talking about it because then people will know that that's the, that's the thing to poke at when they want to trigger you or make you feel bad. Right. And, and there's and, a lot of that in, on Twitter. So oh just my gosh. don't even let... It's gotten so bad this year. And, and I think that, you know, anyone who needs to log off of anything, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, anything you have the right to do it. You don't owe it to anyone. Being an author doesn't mean you owe all of yourself to people. It 
you the only thing that you are contractually ob- obligated to put out in the world is the book that you sold <laughs> yeah you're right that's the contract right that's that, the agreement the, exactly so i i think that you know one of the things and i've grappled with this myself like clarabel and i've had this conversation um many times was being like oh i feel bad like such and such event is happening in a month or such and such person's book is coming out or this big announcement I know is going to happen next week. I can't, I can't go on hiatus. I can't log off Twitter for a week, but we are allowed to take our space and to make, and make sure that our mental health is taken care of. Um, I think that's really important for everyone to embrace, not just this year, but like just going forward because I do think that, you know, this year was bad, but, I, you know, you read all these articles being like the ramifications for 2020 are going to last or they're going to they're going to stick around. I I really I don't want to be like a party pooper. This is me trying to be realistic. And I'm saying this thinking that we can do it. I really do. But we have to be prepared for the fact that not everything's not going to go back to the way it was before 2020. It's not. And if it does, it's not going to happen for a really long time. I believe that good things can come out of it, like the virtual events and people creating more accessible things. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which shouldn't think, end ever. Yeah. But I also do think that like, I don't think Twitter is going to magically become an amazing safe space to be on in 2021. You know, like I don't think social media is going to immediately become like a tolerant understanding place where people try to under to like get the context and nuance before like spouting off and like, you know, dissing your family and your intellect because you, you know, said something they don't agree with. Like, I don't think that that's going to happen just because we voted someone new into the Oval Office. Well, that's never been Twitter. Like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) fair like like twitter's always been kind of awful but um but i feel like especially right now everyone is on edge and it i think it's making like the way i explained it uh to you kat the other day was that like um when you have a really hard week and you come home on friday right it's almost like you have a reaction to that week. Either you are like, oh, I'm just going to like watch TV all weekend or you cry or like you hold it together until you get to that moment, right? Like that's how I dealt with it a lot when I had really stressful jobs. And I feel like this whole year has been that very stressful week and like we're on Friday right now. December Um, is Friday. (laughs) And like we, everyone is just like, there's like this tension. Mm -hmm. Um, People can't, do stuff like they're getting their entertainment their everything from online i think people are probably spending way too much time on twitter and like getting mad about things that don't matter um and yelling at each other and like more than usual right because like i said that Mm -hmm. always happens but i feel like it's it's worse than ever and i just I don't like you said I don't think everything's going to magically get better but I do hope that some of the tension that all of us have been holding for the past four years especially like this heightened sense of like tension does dissipate somewhat Mm -hmm. in January um 
it's not gonna like things are not gonna magically like it's not like Dorothy just went through the freaking tornado and we're gonna open the door and everything's gonna be in color suddenly <laughs> like that's not how it works but I do hope that there is some sort of like relief um for people at least a little bit um but I I want to choose to be positive about next year and yeah. hope that like no matter what's going on around us, that we can try to do our individual best with our own selves and our lives and like the things that we put out into the world and the way that we treat ourselves and treat those around us. Like we can control those things, right? Yeah. Um, so I think those, the things that we can control are important to try to, um, to focus on and to try to do better at because a lot of people are like, well, 2021, it might be even worse than 2020. And like, yeah, maybe it will be. We can't. There's nothing that's out of our hands, right? Like if a bunch of bad stuff happens, that's like on this huge state, uh, uh, scale, what can we do? Yeah. You know, the only thing that you can do is like your own personal responsibility towards uh-huh. yourself and others. And I think those are the things that you should focus on and make goals based off of. Um that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Ride or Die is brought to you in part by T Public. T Public is home to independent art on stickers, cases, shirts, and more. Check out our Write or Die store at tpublic.com slash stores slash Write or Die podcast. Check it out now. All right. We do actually have a audience question, so I definitely want to get to that. And it's... um. It's not too involved. Um, so Alex Astor asked on Twitter uh, what our writing routines are. Ooh. So there are two different answers to that question. One is like what I want to do and one is like what usually happens. Um, <laughs> so I actually have a whole schedule next to my desk uh, that's like wake up, uh, work out 8.30, um, you shower, get ready, eat, and then I'll start working by 1030. Um, and then, you know, I'll have like breaks in between and I'll give myself time for like email and social media. Um, it's usually a lot more chaotic than that though. To be honest, I just, just started like a more organized schedule because this year has been all over the place for me in terms of like getting up at a reasonable time and like being organized with like my work day. I was explaining to Kat before that the beginning of work from home for a lot of people was because of quarantine, right? But like I started work from home right before uh, quarantine happened and that was like, that was like the plan. I was going to be a full-time writer, so I was going to work from home. So it wasn't like because of quarantine, I had to be home all the time um but I never really got to cement my routine without like all the outside noise of the pandemic so it made it really hard for me to like establish a a a normal routine for myself because before when I was working full-time I would work I would write after work right and that was like my routine like I would come home take like a 15 20 minute break and then write for hours Mm-hmm. Um, now I have the whole day, <laughs> um, and a lot of it is spent watching K-dramas as we just, just discussed. <laughs> Listen, but, it's research. It's story structure. <laughs> but, 
but now I'm trying to be a little bit more organized. So like my my goal is to be at my writing desk at 10, 1030 every morning and to write and work on writing related things until uh, four or five, um, sometimes six. Oh, if wow. I'm on deadline, then I'll work even more. But it's like a full day at my mm-hmm. desk. Are you going to experiment at all with like different methods of like concentrating on a project? I know there's like a lot of different theories about like 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off or whatever. Like are you going to try any of those? Well, I mean, I'll do things as needed, right? Like for me, I do do writing sprints sometimes. That's usually when I'm working with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just like to sort of like sit down and just go with the flow and like I feel like I let myself take breaks as needed like if I I need to get up and stretch or have a snack like I'll do that um mm-hmm. for me the it takes me a little while to get going when I sit down I do a lot of like procrastinating so I'm trying mm-hmm. to break out of that habit and just like get to, to like jump in because a lot of times what will end up happening is is I get the mo the brunt of the work done like right at the end of the day um, and I'll still get a lot done, but just like, I've been like, like, like dicking around all day, basically. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to move away from that and like really work more solidly so that I can like, so that I can fit more work in. I have the time. It's just yeah. a matter of focusing, which is hard right now. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah. It's hard that your beginning of like full-time authorship coincided with such an unprecedented world event yeah how Um, about you my routine is is not I, I I don't have as good of a plan a daily plan part of it does come from the fact that I have been working from home working remotely for two years now like two full years at this point Mm. um so when I first started working remotely I had a job job like I I had a full-time job I had you know phone call meetings I had like assignments I had things I had to turn in on time so it was just like get things done and I never held myself to a nine to five I would work way late into the night if I had to get something done I had to get it done Um, And I was catering towards, you know, my boss's deadlines for me as well as publisher's deadlines for us because we were a book packager. Um, So I don't know if that's where I like picked up the bad habits I have, but I don't regulate my work time really well, um, which can become very stressful. So like if this was me giving any advice from like my own experience, it would be to like try to do what Clarabelle is doing which is, you know, set a, a still set a work day for yourself. Um, because you the downtime that we take is necessary for us to be productive. Like mm-hmm. if we do not rest our minds and we do not take care of ourselves, then we will not be efficient in our work. Um, so I accidentally put myself into this mode where like if I'm on deadline, I will be working like 16 hours out of a day, 16, 18 hours out of a day straight because I just have to get it done. I feel like I really have to get it done. Um, But also I definitely do like, um, like push myself into these situations where like I don't, you know, where I have tight deadlines, Um, either because I take too much on or because I freaking procrastinate. (laughs) 
Um, so now I do have like a little bit of a routine. And what it is is that I've realized from two years of working from home that I am not productive in the morning. Like I'm not productive before lunchtime. Um, so I give myself the mindless tasks to do in the morning. So if I have errands to run, if I need to clean my house, I need to do laundry, if I need to answer emails, if there's like a meeting someone wants to set, I'll be like, okay, let's set it for the morning because, you know, I don't have to be creative for a phone call. Um, any of those things, I really do try to set it for like before 1 p.m. Um, generally. And then I'll have my lunch and then the afternoon, actually more closer to like three o'clock in the afternoon is when I start to feel jazzed and energized and like, I want to work on something. And so I allow myself to like start working on my writing and um, I do often end up writing until like eight or nine. Mm. Um, I get in like, I can get in a good four or five hours that way and then I'll have dinner and whatever. Um, so my work, my work day is like weird, um, in that, like, I don't really start working on my actual books until mid afternoon. Yeah, I think I have a little bit of that as well, but which is why I like get stuff done later in the day, but it's not for any good reason. It's just because (laughs) I'm like talking shit in the group chat or (laughs) (laughs) don't tell people our secrets (laughs) (laughs) listen um so yeah so I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to cultivate better habits for myself um in addition to like different methods uh, of writing my books like I'm trying to outline now um and do all of that uh and there's a there's a period for me of resistance when it comes to my work where I'm like mm-hmm. pushing back against starting and that's like part of my process. I call it my dis- my moments of despair. Like I need to like despair and like be upset about not being able to write before I can write for like a couple days. So it's all part of my artistic process. <laughs> <laughs> Gumi Young has a secret. She's a gumiho, a shape-shifting nine-tailed fox that must hunt down men and devour their energy in order to live forever. No one in modern-day Seoul believes in the old tales anymore, which makes it the perfect place to hide and to hunt. But Myung's life is turned upside down when she saves the life of a human boy on Jihoon. And after Myung saves Jihoon's life, the two form a tenuous friendship that blooms into romance, setting them down a path that will soon force Myung to choose between her immortal life and Jihoon's. Wicked Fox and its companion novel Vicious Spirits finds inspiration in Korean mythology, culture, and K-dramas. Wicked Fox has been called a vibrant debut novel that employs Korean genre conventions for an utterly original take on the young adult fantasy by Entertainment Weekly, and fresh and fast-paced by School Library Journal Review. Wicked Fox and Vicious Spirits are out now from Penguin Random House wherever books are sold. The choices made in Wicked Fox have had far-reaching effects, and Myung's friends are about to find out the dire consequences. The forces that govern life and death have been upended, and there are supernatural entities lurking in the background that will stop at nothing to right their world. New romance and dangers abound in Vicious Spirits, the companion novel to the crowd-pleasing Wicked Fox. This contemporary fantasy duology finds inspiration in Korean mythology, culture, and K-dramas. 
Wicked Fox has been called a vibrant debut novel that employs Korean genre conventions for an utterly original take on the young adult fantasy by Entertainment Weekly, and fresh and fast-paced by School Library Journal Review. Wicked Fox and Vicious Spirits are out now from Penguin Random House wherever books are sold. All right, I have a question for you because I've been seeing a few people talking about this and it brings me so much joy. So I want to know what books you read that came out in 2020 that you loved, like want to shout about from the rooftops. And also I want to know what a few of your highly anticipated 2021 books are. Um, but I can go first because okay. I just sprung this on you. <laughs> go for it. Um, okay. Well, I mean, Ghost Squad's a given. <laughs> Duh. Duh. Um, but another one that I really loved, and I, and I actually blurbed this book because I loved it so much, was The Silence of Bones by June Her. Oh, yeah, and, June. Yeah, and we had June on the podcast. Like, So if people want to listen to her episode, we had a really good conversation about like diaspora identities. Um, but no, I really loved it. And, and full disclosure, part of this is, is very personal to me because it is a historical mystery, murder mystery. Um, which is why I, I really want Clarabelle to read it when she has time on her TBR. Um, but it's also set in historical Joseon period, which is like the most famous historical era of ancient Korea. And like, oh, she just does such a good job with like the setting and the atmosphere. And it's just absolutely beautiful. But it is kind of scary. Um, so I just need to like warn people that it's it's a spooky book. Um <laughs> And then uh, another one that I read this year that I absolutely adored, um, I feel like a lot of people have heard of this one, and we just had her on the podcast, is These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. Another historical, but this time it's like kind of fantasy twist, um, because there's like a monster in 1920s Shanghai um, that's like attacking people. But the main conflict is between these two rival gangs, and it's like a Romeo and Juliet, enemies to lovers kind of you know situation which I absolutely adore especially because it is so steeped in Chinese culture um oh god the way that Chloe writes words is just so absolutely beautiful and breathtaking I I remember reading it and being like I cannot I cannot believe this is a debut book like honestly um so just that one I think and that's my one of my most recent reads so I think it's just like really fresh in my mind Mm. honestly but I I loved it loved it and I want to give a middle grade just to like really round it out um and that that one would be stand-up Yumi Chung um I'm now realizing that all of these suggestions are by Asian authors and that was not on purpose (laughs) um I swear it wasn't um but I Stand Up Yumi Chang, the reason it stood out for me, not just because it's about a Korean-American girl, um, you know, trying to find her identity, is because it's legit funny. And it's kind of hard to write funny books. So when a book – yeah, like Ghost Squad made me laugh out loud. Um, Well, I'm hilarious, so. (laughs) Okay. Okay, Clarabelle. (laughs) I am. Um, But yeah, like the fact that this book made me laugh – really stuck in my memory, stuck in my head. And, and I really enjoy those types of books. Like I'll always, I'll always recommend a book that can make you laugh. I think like there's such wonderful gems and, and they're really just great escapism. Like if you're having a hard time, you want something to like make you smile, then pick up Stand Up Yumi Chung. It's really, it's really an, ad- an adorable book. 
that's a lot of books. So I read I read a lot of books this year. Can I remember like most of them? No, I can't. <laughs> I read I literally in the beginning of the year, just like at the beginning, I read like mm-hmm. 25 something books like in the first like two months. Oh, wow. But I cannot like the first couple months of quarantines like that's all I did was read. I can't tell you what one of those books were, was right now. I would have to go back and look at my Goodreads. Um, I do know that I loved um, The Gravity of Us by Phil Stamper, obviously. Aww. And um, the other books that I've read recently have been books that are coming out next year. Um, okay. Be Dazzled by Ryan LaSala. Yes. Really good. Really funny. It feels like Ryan is talking to me the whole time. Um <laughs> All of, all of Us Villains by Amanda Foody and Christine <gasps> Lynn Herman. Yes. So good. It was uh, it, like, it was that kind of book where like, you know, those books where you're reading them and you're so anxious about what's going to happen next, but you can't <laughs> stop reading. Yes. And like, you're trying to read really, really fast to like, just get to what the resolution is going to be. That was that book. Like, I was immediately like super worried about all the sweet baby angels who were like not good at all um but i loved Aww. all of them and i was like i i can't and like you know you start re- like picking your favorites towards the end whatever i was just really worried just <laughs> really anxious but i recommend it it was really really good book i love the magic system in nice. that book it's really interesting um and then i just got a curse of roses it just came in i pre i had pre-ordered it um and I haven't gotten a chance to read it, but I'm really, really excited about it because the premise just always seemed good to me. Um, and I want to make a concerted effort to read more like sapphic books uh, in this year, like next year. So those are my books for now. I can't remember most of them. I definitely <laughs> read at least two of the Inspector Gamache books, which is like my cozy mystery uh, series that yes that I'm always I'm like the only person in the fandom <laughs> that I know no, I mean they're super popular but I don't know anybody else who's obsessed with them the way that I am so I just read them all the time it's like set in Canada and there's like a lot of Ooh. food Ooh, yeah Wait, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look these up they're really fun and they're actually um you should read you should start reading them now because they're gonna be an Amazon series Oh. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was announced this year. I'm pretty sure that they that they made the deal for Amazon. It's going to be really good. So, um, so yeah, I um, my list is not as organized as cats. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, but you have to understand my brain is like mashed potatoes. Like this year has been hard on my brain. And like one of the ways my anxiety manifests is like memory, like bad memory. I have a mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. bad memory. Um, so it's especially bad this year. I mean, I get I get it. I totally do. I actually realized that I do have a bad memory. This is okay. This I, I went through like a whole entire reckoning with who I am as a person this year. <laughs> because okay. Um, and this is something actually that I'm proud of a little bit because I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s and I have had like certain issues with attention and certain issues with like, you know, 
retaining information if I'm not 100% in it. Um, and like just forgetting people's names, stuff like that where like, I, like it's, it's never the biggest deal, but it, it always, it piles up and makes you feel bad. You kind of feel like you're a rude person, like yeah. especially the name thing. Like, I'm so sorry. I can't remember people's names. Like, especially if I've met them multiple times and, and then I feel like an awful person. Like it's my fault. I wasn't paying att- close enough attention. Um, I didn't care enough about you. <laughs> Um, so at the end of last year, um, my aunt, who's a nurse was like, oh, well you have ADHD. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you have ADHD. Everyone in the family pretty much knows that. And I was like, um, why didn't no one tell me? Oh no. (laughs) Which I think, you know, I think a little part of me did suspect that like it could, it could be something more than just that, you know, I have, I'm just like flighty. Mm. Um, so I, I finally went and I got it officially diagnosed. Um, but part of it was like kind of having to talk to my psychiatrist about all the symptoms and like unpacking that and like realizing things that actually do were symptoms of this and not just like random occurrences. Yeah. And one of the biggest things is my memory. And like it's not – like I have a bad memory, but also I – have such a great imagination, I guess. <laughs> I'm just an amazing – that's why I'm a writer. Um, <laughs> but no, I have such a vivid imagination that I will replace my lost memory with something that I've, I'm convinced actually happened. And I get into fights with people about it. I'm like, no, you did this. And they're like, no, I didn't. So-and-so was there. So-and-so was there. So-and-so was there. They all say I never did it. I never did it. And I'm like, I remember you were wearing the red t-shirt. Like we were sitting on the bus. We were on the left side of the bus. We were on those two, like vivid details. And it's because like I've built up (laughs) what I think happened and like convinced myself it's true. And uh, like, I feel so bad because the person who bears the brunt of it is my sister. Oh no. she, She has a memory, like a freaking steel trap. I can see, I can see that. Like, and I feel I'm, like that makes sense. And I become adamant. I'm like, you don't know anything. You don't remember anything. And there was a period of time where, like, we would get in a lot of fights. And I had to come to terms with the fact that it was me. <laughs> oh, no, that's so hard. Yeah, you know, it's really weird because when you told me about uh, your diagnosis, I was like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like, like mm-hmm. a lot of the things about your personality made sense that you did have that. And it's actually, I've seen a couple of times, like people post like symptoms of it. And I've thought about what if I have it, right? Because like a lot of the things mm-hmm. seem really relatable, but that's for later because your girl doesn't have insurance right now. Um, I did find a list of um, that I made of some of the books that I read this year. So I wanted to shout out um, Magic for Liars, which is an amazing fantasy. Um, the magic system, again, in this book is so well done and really cool and original. And then this other book, which is not a recent release, but I really liked it because it was like evil the little mermaid with like a sexy prince eric type of situation and it's called to kill a kingdom that one was also excellent cover around it was excellent excellent read um surprising no one's zoraida uh recommended that book to me and (laughs) it was (laughs) it was a it was amazing i listened to the audiobook for that 
and I really recommend it. Adding it to the list. Okay. <laughs> I'm literally, as you are, are naming these, I'm typing it <laughs> into, into my Goodreads. I also read Spinning Silver like 12 times this year. Is that – but that's the second book. <gasps> yeah, that's the that's the second book. Um, It's not really – a part of a series it's like a it's a standalone um oh okay yeah that's that's a different author that's a naomi novak uh but i th- and that's also came out i think i don't know it didn't come out this year though i'm pretty it didn't. sure you know why uh, i think it's a second book is because the cover is the same design as uprooted right mm-hmm. it makes it look like a series yeah it's not it's not okay. a series um but I really liked I really liked Spinning Silver a lot. Again, I listened to the audiobook of that and it was excellent. Ooh, I love this. Okay, cool, cool. And it's good to know that Spinning Silver is a standalone because I might pick that one up first because I know my roommate has it. And one of the best things about having a roommate or a partner or a live-in person who's also as obsessed with books as you are is that you have double the library. <laughs> I highly recommend. <laughs> Um, get yourself that roommate, partner, live-in person. Just, just for their books. Just for their books. I mean, I appreciate my roommate for other things, but her books are a huge deal. Um, like, she also works in publishing, so she gets a lot of really cool books. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, though, too, is that I love just, like, remembering the small things that, like, make me really happy, but it makes me realize... <laughs> That like, yeah, like having a good roommate who I enjoy as a person, we have the same sense of humor and I can read all of her books. That's a positive. And like, I'm really lucky that I have it. And I like reminding myself of those types of things um, for sure. Yeah. So. The, you Having a bad roommate is like the worst thing ever. Oh my goodness. I <laughs> Knock on wood. Like I really have never had a situation that I would ever term like a horror story you know yeah so I feel very lucky in that sense oh I also I thought of a a recommendation of something I read this year um it's not a book but I think that that's fine because it's still I binge read it and it's Laura Olympus on webtoons have you read this Clarabelle Mm -mm. I think I think you'd like it I mean so it's based on Greek mythology it's the story of Hades and Persephone but it's retold in a way that kind of like fixes any of the like toxic relationship aspects like because this the story is the kidnapping of persephone that's what the story is often called um which means that she was taken against her will into this marriage um and that original tale of a woman being kidnapped and you know forced to marry someone has been made into very romanticized stories since um, and I, I have seen critique of that being people being like, oh, that's not a romantic story. People know that, right? But I, what Laura Olympus did really well was they were like, nope, nope, nope. We're throwing out all of that and we're just going to be like, this is an actual true story. And it's like, you know, if it's like Hades and Persephone of Hades was like a good dude and Persephone was like dynamic and interesting and like she had more going for her than just being pretty, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, And the art is like really unique and interesting. Um, And also the way that they make it is that like the world of mortals is like ancient Greece still, but the world of the gods is like high tech. So they have like smartphones and they have like, you know, cars and stuff like that. Um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. In the godly world. 
But then they'll go to like the mortal realm and they'll have to like like ride chariots and stuff. I love that. I'm going to check it out. That sounds really cool. And your recommendations have never seared me wrong. Yay. Um, I mean. (laughs) Because I have spent the majority of quarantine watching (laughs) Korean dramas. It is my obsession. (laughs) And I haven't told you this, but I have started learning Korean because I recognize words that they say over and over again. Like with context clues, I put together like what Mm -hmm. certain things are. So then Mm -hmm. I want to see like what the proper pronunciation of it is. And now I have like a running document of like words and pronunciations (laughs) in my phone and I practice it all the time. And I'm like, what is happening? Like... It's really cool, but I I actually think the language is really really pretty. Um Aww. I th- I think it's really cool and mm-hmm. it's it's been awesome because like it's it's always right, it's always hard to to learn, like not hard, but like it's impossible to learn about an entire culture just via TV shows, right? Uh-oh, sorry, that's lucky. Oh, Keep going. Lucky. Um it's impossible to to learn everything about a culture, like get like a true perception of things like through a TV show, right? Because it's like there's going to be things that are inaccurate or like things that you're going to perceive incorrectly because you don't get the nuance or like the joke behind it or like the story behind it, right? Um, yeah. But it's been cool having you as a friend and like seeing certain things that like you do or say or that like are <laughs> things that your family does and like watching the TV shows and then like putting the two and two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I just really like how um, how like how caring people are in the shows. Yeah. Like, I really love the and that's something that like you're this way right like you like give like little gifts and like you like think Mm of uh like you'll bring me a coffee or like um like a little snack if I'm tired like all of these like really cute little details of things that you do like I noticed that they do that a lot in um k-dramas to show that like you care about somebody that you that they are important to you like you'll make mm-hmm. them a lunch right you're you'll 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 like give them a band-aid if they got cut like all of these things and i just think it's it's been such a like a soothing thing to uh-huh. to to experience for the first time like i just started watching them this year mm-hmm. during like quarantine because like so much of it is like so sweet (laughs) it's so sweet it's so sweet and so heartwarming and like Uh even just like even just like relationships in offices like in like dramas that have to do with like an office like the way that they'll treat their um people who are older than them and like the respect that they give them like Mm -hmm. and how an older person will take care of a younger person and like like take them under their wing and like make sure that they're okay it's just been like like i've really enjoyed it like i've really enjoyed like watching like i haven't been able to like interact with humans the same way (laughs) but watching how like how um how dynamic and how cool and how like beautiful the interactions have been between people in k-dramas has really been healing um this year it's been really really nice and it's also made me feel like closer to you because i feel like (laughs) i'm not only because i'm using your account but also (laughs) also (laughs) because like because it makes me feel like i i can see more of like uh 
something that's a part of you, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm like like I'm experiencing it. I'm watching it. I'm like looking at all of these things and it's just been really cool. And it's been like mm-hmm. well, I would say one of the best parts of this year and I have cried so much watching them too. So they've been like super <laughs> cathartic. Like Romance yeah. is a bonus book made me cry so <laughs> much i was i was in shambles watching i love that. that that's the one that made you cry the most do you I, know it, it, the acting in that show was phenomenal so good it does have some of the best actors i mean the thing is is that like it's so funny like all these things that you're saying because like they're they're things that i had to go through as well though like not I, I guess like it's a different degree, but there were times where I would watch a K drama, and and after a few K dramas, I'd be like, "Oh, this is a pattern," and my family does this too. Mm-hmm. So therefore, my family does this because we are Korean. You know, like right. I I mostly grew up in Central Florida. Like my Korean community was my family. So all of the very very Korean things we do, it was easy for me to think like this is just a thing my family does, not a right. thing that korean people do mm-hmm. um and it wasn't until i was like in high school college and i started watching k-dramas and korean variety shows and i was like ah oh, they do it too oh my god oh my god this is a korean thing um it was it was interesting and and i i and the story like i actually find it to be really funny um i know that it could come across as kind of sad but i don't mean it that at all like i i i have a very happy relationship with my heritage now um and I love sharing it, like, obviously. Like, the fact that I forced <laughs> – I didn't force you to watch you K-dramas. You didn't. No, you but just I have, told me. I've been talking at you about K-dramas for, like, since we became friends. I think you subliminally, <laughs> subliminally like, like made me watch them without me noticing. And now I have an entire fucking spreadsheet. I do where, have a spreadsheet. <laughs> where uh, all the ones I've already watched are there and all the ones that Kat recommends are there and, like, why. And, like, the main actors and, like, the plot and, like, the side. It's, like, very detailed. Very good. I um, want Clarabelle to know why I'm re- <laughs> suggesting each thing. It's either I'm suggesting it because the plot is something she loves or because the actors are people she likes. Yeah, because like. I have like favorites already now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been really, it's been really cool. And it's also uh, showed me like a different kind of storytelling also. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like the way that um, one of the things I really like and appreciate about K-dramas is like how fully fleshed out all of like the side characters will be um, yes. a lot of times. I really like that. I like that they have like their own motivations um, mm-hmm. and even though their fate intertwines with like the me the lead actors that doesn't mean that like it's not very like specific and important to them the things that yeah. they're trying to achieve and like they have their own reasons um for doing them yeah um, i mean like yes a thousand percent yeah so so yeah so that's been like what one really like cool happy spot for me i've watched so many of them <laughs> I'm so happy that you're enjoying it. Actually, um, getting people to watch K-dramas is like my one useless superpower. Um, because I'm – No, have spreadsheets. 100%. Spreadsheets is another one. You have it, oh, spreadsheets one. is another one. Another useless – Actually, that's kind of useful. Um, but like I've never failed at getting at getting someone to watch, a K, to watch K-dramas if I really want them to watch K-dramas. Um, to the point that like I like – have multiple different types of lists now like cultivate like what kind of a person are you are you a person who really likes fantasy are you like because i've gotten so many people to watch and like i'm not gonna like get you to watch one k drama and then leave you in the lurch i am going to give you 
<laughs> full lists of each I know. I re- when I first started watching them, like I would only I was only watching the ones that Cat told me, right? Because I was like, mm-hmm. I can't mess this up. I gotta watch the right ones. But well, I had an order for you too. I wanted you to go in a specific order. But then I just went rogue, and you I just did. started watching them on my own, like based on things that I felt like, based on actors, and then like based on things that I felt I would mm-hmm. like. And I haven't. I haven't failed yet. I will I will tell you my least favorite one that I've watched. Uh-oh. I hope so, it's not one of my favorites. <laughs> it might be because you recommended this one. Okay. Inheritors has been one of my least favorites. Oh, no, 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 no. That's totally fine. Yeah. The reason I made you watch it is because it has every single teen K-drama trope <laughs> that has ever existed really in does. K-dramas ever. And so it's kind of like – a starter course yeah that Once, one was a lot that one was a lot it was yeah it, it was like it was it, it was fine it, it was like too too dramatic it, it, like in certain moments and it was like and i did i mean i enjoyed it i didn't hate it i didn't think it was bad i just yeah. of all the ones that i watched it's been my least favorite it's it, I, I think that whenever I tell someone to watch K-dramas, I do want them to have the tools to be able to recognize the tropes because recognizing the tropes makes some K-dramas more enjoyable because mm-hmm. some of the more modern ones subvert those tropes in like yeah. really, really clever ways. But you don't necessarily understand how clever it is unless you kind of understand – the origin, you know, yeah. of K-dramas. So that's kind of always why I suggest like Boys Over Flowers, Airs, um, like those types of dramas first because they are very formulaic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Boys Over Flowers was like very kooky, but like I had a lot of fun. That was the first one I ever watched. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and you loved it. I loved it. I had so much fun. I watched it so fast because they were going to take it <laughs> off Netflix and now it's on Netflix again. Oh. Um. I- I will often – Boys Over Flowers is one of my go-to, like, intro dramas that I'll, I'll get someone to watch. And part of the reason is because the it is so retro in quality, music choice, yeah. and overdramatic <laughs> acting. It's really retro. So, like, if you watch a more modern K-drama first and then go back and watch it, it, it somehow feels more cheesy than – I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I want that to be first so that you're like, oh, my God, this is cheesy. It, it'll never not be cheesy. But then you – grow you grow <laughs> along with the gay dramas oh my god i put too much thought into this no but that makes sense to me it does i think that if i had watched like one of the ones that i've watched recently and then boys over flowers i wouldn't have mm-hmm. enjoyed it as much as i did yeah if you watch um, w first it oh my god been... w was so good. It was so good i feel like i don't know if i can pick my favorite but that's definitely top three i loved romance is a bonus book a lot Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like two completely different spectrums right like one is like one is like very like over the top like super high concept the other one's like everyday like slice of life (laughs) um but but i loved them both for like those very Mm -hmm. different reasons and then i also really loved mystic pop-up bar Um, oh yeah that one's cute i i i loved it because i really liked um the main actress in that one she's a good actress she was so and i really i i like the 
So there was like a young lead and then like an older guy who was the lead too in yeah, that one. Yeah, so Yuk Sung-jae is the young lead mm-hmm. and he's super famous because he's also a K-pop star. Yeah, I saw that cuz I always look people up after I watch the um Yeah. after I watch the drama, but the older guy was in Inheritors and I actually really liked him mm-hmm. in that he's one. Great. Yeah, he's um, great. And like the the thing that I really liked about Mystic Pop-Up Bar is like the humor. I thought it was really funny Mm -hmm. and I loved like um, it made you feel some sort of like nostalgia for like the relationships between them. Like the moment it ended, I really missed the dynamic of their relationship together. Um, And I just I love quirky stuff that that feels like um, that feels like tongue in cheek the way that that drama felt it was just like really fun and i hope there's a second season i will be writing to netflix (laughs) netflix has changed the k drama game to be fair like because k dramas do not have second seasons and if they do it's not with the same cast it's like oh wow yeah no they'll they'll get a completely different cast and they're not playing the same characters it's like it'll be called like mystic pop-up bar 2 but it'll be like in busan at Mm -hmm. like a soju bar with like completely different people and, like, the concept will be similar, but it'll just be a different story. That's traditionally how oh, in the past K-dramas okay. had second seasons. Yeah. But Netflix came in and as, you know, the provider of of a lot of these new K-dramas, they're creating this trend of bringing back the original cast for second seasons because they did it with Kingdom. Oh, wow. Okay. So I have hope then for Mystic Pop-Up Bar. I'm going to... You have hope. I'm going to uh, <laughs> cross my fingers for that one. I don't know how popular it was, but... Because Kingdom was huge. I'll watch it again. <laughs> for Luceli Luna, ghosts are more than just the family business. Shortly before Halloween... Luceli and her best friend Sid cast a spell that accidentally awakens malicious spirits wreaking havoc throughout St. Augustine. Together, they must join forces with Sid's witch grandmother Babette and her tubby tabby chunk to fight the haunting head-on and reverse the curse to save the town and Luceli's firefly spirit before it's too late. With the family dynamics of Coco and action-packed adventure of Ghostbusters, Clarabel A. Ortega delivers both a thrillingly spooky and delightfully sweet debut novel with Ghost Squad. Order today at buyghostsquad.com. For Luceli Luna, ghosts are more than just the family business. Shortly before Halloween, Luceli and her best friend Sid cast a spell that accidentally awakens malicious spirits wreaking havoc throughout St. Augustine. Together, they must join forces with Sid's witch grandmother Babette and her tubby tabby chunk to fight the haunting head-on and reverse the curse to save the town and Luceli's firefly spirit before it's too late. With the family dynamics of Coco and action-packed adventure of Ghostbusters, Clarabel A. Ortega delivers both a thrillingly spooky and delightfully sweet debut novel with Ghost Squad. Order today at buyghostsquad.com. I wanted to do Rose, Thorn, and Bud. Have you played that before? Yeah, I don't know what Bud is. I do. Okay. We do we do Rose and Thorn on Celebrity Book Club for the end of each chapter? But I don't oh. know what the Bud part is. Okay, this I think I can get why you guys don't do Bud because it's a personal thing more than like the thing you liked or about a book. Okay. Um, so yeah, obviously Rose is a highlight, a success, even a small win. 
a thorn is a challenge you experienced or something you can use more support with. And a bud is a new idea that has bloomed and isn't quite something yet, but is something you look forward to knowing more about or experiencing. Oh, okay, cool. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. Um, so my rose has been that I branched out into writing webcomics. Um, and my webcomic Free Hexel is currently on Webtoons. It's updated every other Monday. Um, and then we have really cool music videos that go along with it that are once a month on Fridays. Um, so that is something I did not think I would be able to do this early in my author career. And it was kind of just like perfect timing. And it's about K-pop, which is something I absolutely love. Um, so that makes me really happy. And I consider that a rose, a highlight. A thorn is the fact that I have realized and that some of my coping mechanisms that I have cultivated over my adulthood were like band-aids over a dam, like a hole in it, a crack yeah. in a wall. Um, they felt they worked fine when I wasn't in a, t um, a, a state of turmoil. Um, but 2020 has like kind of taught me that some of these coping mechanisms, not only are they not effective, but they're harmful to my greater process. Um, and I've had to come to terms with that. And I've had to come to terms with the fact that some of my coping mechanisms potentially affect some of my relationships or how I've interacted with people. Um, so I'm really working towards trying to be healthier in that sense but it's it's been a slow going um i'm not completely fixed <laughs> yet <laughs> but at least i identified it <laughs> um and then my bud is um oh this one's hard my bud is that i have been very involved in um, in certain things in publishing, mentorship programs, diversity and inclusion initiatives, but I've always been involved as a volunteer coming into something that's already established, like We Need Diverse Books or Pitch Wars or something like that. Um, but I'm really excited because there's two programs that I've been able to work on from the ground up, and they're both for supporting diverse voices. And the first is DVCon, which is an offshoot of DV Pit, which was founded by Beth Phelan, which as everyone knows, Clarabelle and I love her and adore her. Um, but yeah, DVCon, an inaugural DVCon is happening in uh, 2021. Clarabelle and I are both actually on the board of directors for it. And I'm just- Fancy. I'm so excited, <laughs> we are fancy, but I'm so excited, I'm proud of us. Like we really, we've been talking about doing something like this for a while now and we finally, just like decided to go for it because we felt like people needed something like this right now, something to look forward to. And and I think we've built like a really cool program. Like I'm so proud of like all the thought that's gone into it and all the work that's gone into it. And I really hope that people find support and community and inspiration from it. I just really, really, I'm so excited to see what it becomes. Um, and then the other one is Diverse Book Fest, which was actually supposed to happen this year, the inaugural Diverse Book Fest, but because of the pandemic, we did not want to, you know, put anyone at risk and we did not really want to do it virtual for the first one. So we wanted to wait until a time that was safe for everyone to gather again. And if I'm being completely honest, we haven't actually confirmed that that would be 2021 at all. Yeah. Um, the possibility of it being spring 2022 is, uh, is very much on the table. 
but I'm still excited about it. Like, you know, we had such support from the community when we first announced it. We had a really cute auction where like people gave away signed books and stuff like that. And I just, I just love the idea of being able to support diverse voices. And I'm, you know, part of me is absolutely terrified. I've never spearheaded a book festival before. Um, it's new territory for me. Like, I don't want to mess it up. It matters a lot to me. But at the same time, like, I, I love working on it. Like, it does bring me so much joy. So I'm really excited to see how it turns out. And definitely everyone stay tuned because we'll have, you know, more news soon. Yeah. Soon. Um, this is going to be really hard for me. I don't, I've been trying to think what I'm going to say. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think I'll, for my rose, I will pick a ghost squad just because it, it brought me a lot of joy this year. Um, even though it was difficult to debut in 2020, I, I still had so much fun like doing my launch and like hearing um people's reactions to it because of that book like I got to go on Good Morning America and I've been like all of these really cool um publications and I've had all these like really cool experiences tied with it like Lynn Manuel responding to my tweet and telling me that he's reading my book was really cool and I have all these like awesome memories from my debut year and from Ghost Squad and especially from like having school visits and talking to kids about it it's been it's been really awesome um and I'll say my thorn has been like um I think like the ongoing sort of feeling of being underestimated a lot in the industry like and in publishing in general sort of has never gone away from me I always feel like I'm having to prove myself and my worth constantly and that's like really exhausting and um I don't want to feel like that and I feel like continuing to feel like that has put a strain on me and um, like I just told you like all this like really cool stuff that happened to me and like that happened with my book and and I still feel that way so it's like it's both like a, a an internal thing and also an external thing so I just uh I need everyone to get it together <laughs> including myself um and for my bud I am gonna do like a book related thing and that is that I wrote my first graphic novel and uh, Frizzy and I really loved it. I love the process of writing a graphic novel so, so much that I am considering taking a book that I have already written and converting it into a script. Nice. And I'm really excited about the prospect of that. Um, and I also came up with a synopsis for an adult idea that I'm really excited about for the future. Um, so just sort of like doing things that are outside of the sort of, not the norm, but like what I picture for myself as a, as an author, trying new things, branching out to different kinds of books and um, different age categories. Nice. Oh, I love that. I love that for you. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of, a lot of hard things have definitely happened um, 
for both of us, I mean, for everyone, but you know, there have been some very specific personal things that have happened for both of us. And, and I'm, I'm so proud of us for like sticking it through and like holding on to the things that do truly bring us joy. Um, I think it's easy to recede into yourself when you're going through a really hard mm. time to the point where you're also giving up the positive parts of of your life because it's hard to feel joy. It's hard to see the positivity in a lot of things when you're in a really down state. Um, you know, but like we've both struggled with anxiety and depression and, and things like that. Um, but mm. I, I also feel like we're allowed to be proud of ourselves, you know, that we stuck it out. You know, we have good things in our lives, this podcast being one of them. I mean, this podcast is not always the easiest thing in the world. Like I, editing it takes a long time coming up with guests mm. coming up with questions yes scheduling. <laughs> but but I do enjoy it and and every time one of you guys comes and and says to one of us I love your podcast I listen to it in the car or I, I loved this specific episode or or just even like oh I listen to write or die you don't even need to say something positive you know it's just even if you just say oh I listen to your podcast I will like be beaming for the rest of the day because it does make me happy to like think that I'm providing something of value to someone, even if it's fleeting. Um, so I really appreciate all of you. Uh, obviously, I adore and love and appreciate you, Clarabelle. I think that we've done a good job this year, you know, in spite of everything. <laughs> yeah, I think surviving is just enough this year, to be quite honest, with like everything that's been thrown at all of us. I think if you're still here, um, you should be proud of yourself because it, it hasn't been easy at all. Um, but yeah, I'm grateful as well for all of our listeners and for you, Kat. And I'm hopeful that we'll be able to bring you uh, even more like fun episodes that like that help everyone get through hard times, but also that's not like your mental health is hinging on a podcast, <laughs> yes. you know? I hope you have more than just I, I would us. love it to be just your mindless entertainment once people are allowed to drive to work again. Like, right. that's, that's my dream. Right. My dream. Exactly. That, that's what I mean. <laughs> um, I hope that we are, like, the thing that entertains you while you do your boring data entry job in your, in your office building. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that, um, that right yeah. there. Uh, but thanks. Thanks, everyone, for listening today and for listening all year long. We really appreciate you. Um, we've gotten a bunch of new uh, people who have joined like the Wordy family this year, obviously, because a lot of people were <laughs> home. Um, so we hope that you enjoyed it. If if you got this far, like if you're like all caught yeah, up. Wow. Like, kudos <laughs> to you. Like who even listens to every episode of a podcast? I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so happy end of the year. You know, whether you're happy that the year is finally over or you're just happy that you're seeing, you know, can celebrate the holidays or anything like that, you know, like I, I hope that I hope that it ends well and, and that you're able to start 2021 with joy and hope and all of all of that corny stuff. <laughs> Yeah, ha ha happy holidays mm -hmm. to everyone. And please, please, please be safe. Uh, no matter what you do, uh, stay home, be safe, be smart, and be kind Aww. to one another. I love that. Oh, and also, 
Yay. If you like this podcast, please rate and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Leave, Leave us a review. review. We love you. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies. And don't forget to spread the word. <laughs>